Aaron Judge has won a lot in his career, but this might be the biggest award yet. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. I'm Stacey Gotsoulias. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. With me, as always, is my producer, Steve Granato. Steve, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Stacy? What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning into the show here today. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, we are still five days a week here on Locked On Yankees, Monday through Friday, per usual. Every time it hits midnight, we're dropping a new episode. Of course, on today's show, we need to talk about why this offseason is so important for the Yankees and what happens if it goes wrong. Ah, uh, yes, maybe a little pessimistic, but could also be a very true reality. We need to talk about that later on in the show. But of course, Stacey, the big news here this week, Aaron Judge, 2023 Roberto Clemente Award winner. He becomes the fourth Yankee all-time to win this honor. He is the first since Derek Jeter won it in 2009. Pretty darn cool. Uh, he was at the World Series Game 3 to accept the award. We didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday, so we wanted to talk about it here today. Stacy, this award is obviously a high, high honor. There are a couple of awards that kind of carry this weight. I think the other one is like the Commissioner's Award because mm. it's so, so unique and not an annual award. This one obviously is an annual award, but one player gets nominated from every single team and for Aaron Judge to get recognized for his humanitarian uh, excellence as well as his on-field excellence. I mean, that's just icing on the cake there, man. Yeah. It's really great when players use their platforms for good, isn't it? <laughs> It's lovely. It's lovely. And and this is like the reason why Aaron Judge is your captain, man. Like it, it's not just what he brings to the field. It's what he brings off it. And, you know, spreading the, the Yankee way and being a real Yankee like this is important. Um, and that's why we wanted to make sure we dedicated an episode to this. Like this, this isn't something that you just gloss over. This is uh, a massive honor for a lot, a lot of players when they get this. Yeah. Um, as you said, it's the first since Jeter. He's only the fourth Yankee to get the award. And because it's that type of an award where, as you said, one player from each team and there's one winner and <laughs> for him to win, it's just, it's really great. And it just shows how great a guy he is. And, you know, it's always fun to see him interact with the kids, you know, when he's giving out autographs and you can tell he just, he likes doing what he does. You know, he likes playing baseball. He gets it. He understands his role as a baseball player. And even at the World Series the other day, he was signing autographs. And this this kid was so excited to meet him that he was literally bawling. And Judge would kept like looking at him and giving like reassuring looks to like make sure that he was OK. And he was talking to him. And I just thought that was the sweetest thing ever. Uh, really interesting part of his press conference, Stacey, we wanted to talk about here today. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play the clip. This is from uh, before World Series Game 3. He was talking with the media uh, about the award. Take a listen. You know, it goes back to, you know, 2018, you know, starting the All Rise Foundation. You know, I was sitting in the car, you know, talking with my family. And, you know, that's one thing that just got drafted. And they said, hey, what, do you, what is something you want to, you know, do with your career? And you know, I said, well, 
you know, I see CC Sabathia, Derek Jeter, they all have foundations. Dave Winfield before them, you know, had a great foundation and the way they impacted the youth and helped so many kids of either going to college, you know, doing well in school, you know, things outside of outside of sports, it was so special. So we started brainstorming ideas, you know, what kind of you know, Catch a Fly Foundation, this and that, and we kind of stumbled upon the All Rise Foundation, which was, I think, pretty, pretty, pretty suiting, pretty suiting. So, uh, you know, just the just the work we've accomplished, you know, with the help from my family, you know, especially my mom, um, you know, just the lives we touch. It's just the beginning. Stacy, what I find really cool about that is him saying, like, right away, he's thinking about that. Like mm-hmm. that, I mean, he's saying like after dra- being drafted, when you get drafted, the only thing you're thinking about is I just got drafted. Like that, right. that's it. And for him to immediately understand what being drafted by the Yankees means mm-hmm. and like what he can do after that. I mean, I know he's a, a, you know, a college draftee, so he's got a little more maturity in his brain, but that's still pretty, pretty impressive for, for that side of it to be thinking that right away, looking to Yankees already as inspiration off of the field before even thinking about making it to the bigs in the first place. Like that's, that's unreal to me. It is pretty amazing. I'm also glad that they didn't go with catch a fly foundation because it yeah. doesn't... <laughs> doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same ring to it. No, no. Cause it also sounds like you're trying to catch a fly, you know, like a bug. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like thinking back to when I was like, get like, I was about to say getting drafted. Didn't happen. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but when I like was graduating college, like, yes, I felt like I had a good head on my shoulders. I had a collegiate degree. Like I, you know, I, I felt like I was going in the right direction. I was, I knew I wanted to go into baseball. I knew I wanted to work in baseball mm-hmm. and uh, that all ended up working out. But I can't even like I fathom the thought of like, all right, um, next step. First thing I'm going to go ahead and not go to the cages and start working. First thing I'm gonna do is, Oh, let's start a foundation. Like that's it's, it's wild to me, but it's really, yeah. really cool, man. And, uh, I have nothing but respect for Aaron Judge. He's a good dude. And that shows how good a dude he is that one of his first thoughts was, how can I give back? Like, this is before he was even like, like he even knew where he was going to start in the organization. And the fact that he had this idea in his head, because I feel like he's similar to Jeter, like Jeter's dream was to be Yankee shortstop. And I feel like once Aaron Judge was drafted, there was no stopping him from becoming uh, their right fielder and no stopping him from becoming captain as well. Like just feels like that was his trajectory. There was no way around it. And the fact that he thought about this stuff right away is pretty amazing. I think it's really cool too, that he hasn't forgotten like where he came from and like, he still helps out the communities from where he grew up all that stuff. Like he's just not, not just helping out New York, uh, you know, kids, which is obviously a big part of everything, but he hasn't forgotten about where he came from. You see that with guys like Albert Pujols, who still help out uh, his hometown. He still runs the organization in St. Louis. He's still running the organization in Anaheim. Like the, the, like the reach that these guys can have, uh, is amazing and for them to like you said do something with it it's it's beautiful and uh it's one of the big reasons why i love this game uh and another reason why i love this game is because of other personalities around the league of course it wasn't just you know shirt and tie let's talk about the charities and this award little surprise guest during that press conference uh during game three Aaron, uh, I don't know if you know, but we've got a, a new media member that's in the room that wants to ask you a question. He's back in the corner. Does he look familiar? Uh, uh, Hi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, your dogs, dogs have a, they make it safely? Oh, yeah, they're here. They're here. Nice. They're here. You know. Gus, right? Gus and Penny, you got Gus it. And, yeah, Gus yeah. and Penny, yeah, nice. Uh, I got a question. So how does it feel to be the, uh, the tallest 
Roberto Clemente. <laughs> you know, me and Dave Winfield, we're out of eyes, so we might, you know, I think I, think I, I tied the record. That was Mookie Betts uh, who crashed the press conference. He was doing like the alt cast thingy, right? He was like the correspondent thing. So he just happened to be in town and uh, give, give him a little rizzing. I liked it. That was fun. That's funny. I'm glad that Gus and Penny made the trip because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I love that his dog is named Gus because of my dad being named Gus. I just find that adorable because it is a really great pet name when you think about it. You can name any kind of animal Gus and it sounds really cool. Um, but I love that they did that. And that's really funny. And, you know, Judge's reaction was really funny as well. Like he was genuinely broken up, cracking up about it. Like it you, really you funny. can see the look like he obviously didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. And then he saw like, he's like, oh, God, it's Mookie. Uh, like, what's he, what's he going to ask me? Yeah, oh, God. Like, oh, geez. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That immediately go for the dog thing. Uh, also, Gus, my first dog's name when i was nice. a kid so there you go nice. uh love it it's great man and all this is just awesome and for all the awards that judge has gotten and will continue to get this this is like the middle of the mantle right like this is the one that you really put up top next to like world series ring type stuff mm -hmm. uh so hopefully he can add that second part here shortly <laughs> uh, let us know how you're feeling about all of this of course aaron judges uh humanitarian stuff Obviously, we're huge fans of it. I want to hear what you think about this award and where it puts him as far as Yankee lore uh, amongst the greats to wear the pinstripes. So I want to hear about that down in the comments down below. While you're there, you can leave a question for us for our Fan Mail Fridays episode. Every Friday, we do a Fan Mail Friday episode where we answer your questions. And if you want a guaranteed answer, all you got to do is join the Locked On Yankees Insiders Club. Check out the episode description. There's a 14-day free trial. You get one-on-one -on -one text messages with Stacey and myself. You get happy Halloween texts that we just sent uh, <laughs> yesterday and a whole bunch of really cool perks as well. So check that out in the episode description. All right. Like we promised, why is this offseason so important for the Yankees? And what if it all goes wrong? That's next. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now is the perfect time to join if you're new, because new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 right away if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel but have been hesitant for whatever reason, this is your sign. This is the absolute best time to jump on board. The app is super easy to use, and of course, FanDuel gives you all the tools to score big, like spreads, player props, over-unders, and a ton more. This weekend, the Giants are out in Vegas taking on the Raiders. See what happens there. While the Jets are on Monday Night Football taking on the Chargers. So now's the perfect time to get started. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Back now on Locked on Yankees, this edition of the show here today. Of course, every day is, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, Fan Mail Friday is coming up here in just a couple of days. We want to hear what you have to think about the offseason and, of course, drop some questions for us about everything Yankees and baseball. You can do that in the episode uh, below the episode description in the comments. Check that out if you so please. Stacey, you wanted to talk about this offseason. We've kind of dabbled around it a little bit on hey, it's just pretty important, yada, yada, yada. But we've, we need to have like a full-fledged conversation about this and kind of explain why we've been feeling that way. 
So I wanted to start here with your thoughts. Why is this offseason so important for the Yankees? You've seen plenty of offseasons being a follower of the Yankees and, of course, covering the Yankees here on the Lockdown Network. So why does this one have that different feeling of it's so important this time around? It's because 2023 was so disappointing. You know, the team, when you looked at it on paper, we talked about it as the season started. We really thought that this was going to be one of the better Yankee teams that we've seen in a long time. And then just everything snowballed and it became bad and they didn't make the playoffs and they were barely above 500 and they were completely way lower than anyone expected them to be. And going into 2024 with a bunch of the same guys on the team and you're thinking to yourself, hmm, they kind of need to change this because there was no way for them to prepare for some of the things that happened in 2023 and some of the moves they made to try and insert people in there to take the place of people who were injured didn't help. Some of the guys who weren't injured didn't hit, didn't pitch well. There was just a whole bunch of things. And, you know, when 2017 happened, everyone thought that was the beginning of the championship window. And everyone was expecting that championship window to be six to seven years long. Well, here we are and no championship has happened. And you have Garrett Cole signed and you have Aaron Judge signed and you have Carlos Rodon signed and you need to get things done and they need to get things done this offseason. Yeah, because it felt like heading into 2023. I don't know if status quo is the right phrase, but it felt like there was too many there was too much of a reliance on all these things hitting, Mm -hmm. right? All these things going correct, which has that ever happened ever in the history of anything ever in mankind? No, that's of course not going to happen. It's extremely unrealistic to think you're going to hit on every single thing, right? Right. So you have to be prepared for that. And it didn't feel like the Yankees were really prepared for that. No one was prepared for Rodon not being there on opening day slash Rodon being as bad as he was in 2023. (laughs) No one was prepared for Anthony Rizzo getting hit in the head by Fernando Tatis Jr. No one was prepared for Aaron Judge slamming into the wall in right field, right? All these things. Luis Severino having one of his worst seasons and being injured. Well, the injured thing we weren't surprised about, but coming back and being as bad as he was, no one was really expecting that either. And it didn't feel like there was a backup plan, right? And part of that on the pitching front was, of course, because of the trades that happened at the deadline the year prior. Right. it, and you kind of have some, you know, a little bit more safety there now heading into 2024 with guys like Warren and Beater and Thorpe and all that. Like you have a little bit of of leeway there, but uh, you, you still have to address those issues, right? That disappointing finish. Oh, I guess it wasn't a f- disappointing finish, disappointing season because they actually yeah. played towards the end of the season, weirdly enough. Um, yeah. Isn't the only problem here, right? Yes, it was a disappointing year. And in any other whatever organization, you might be going, oh, two games over or whatever. Okay, that's fine. But when you put it into the context of some of the bigger guys that are uh, heading into contract years, potentially, Garrett Cole has an opt-out after 2024. And there is nothing saying he's leaving. I want to make sure that's clear. But there's also (laughs) nothing saying he's completely staying, right? He could totally opt out. He has that 
he has that luxury. That's part of the reason why you add that in there. And yes, I know the Yankees can void it. And in case you don't know, the Yankees can void it. If Garrett Cole opts out after 24, the Yankees can void it by adding a 10th year to his nine-year contract and adding a whole bunch of money on top of that. So they could keep him even if he uh, opts out. So it's not set in stone if he You're opts staying. out. We're making yeah. you stay. It wouldn't be awkward. It would be <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But that is very much something to consider. And you know you're heading into a last year of a guaranteed Glaber Torres, and you're heading into a last guaranteed year of Anthony Rizzo. He has a club option in 2025. Suddenly, all the guys that you earmark as big pieces of your franchise can be gone in a second. And now you're left there to try and pick up the pieces with Aaron Judge as basically the only guy left. Yeah, so, and I mean, Glaber was one of the only solid players offensively in 2023 and if he has another year like that in 2024 it's possible another team is going to be like you know what we're going to throw some money at Glaber Torres and he might be gone <laughs> yes absolutely that is completely realistic now of course that also means you have a little bit of trade flexibility there if 2024 isn't going the way that you want it to mm -hmm. you do have some options there where you could lean into a rebuilding state of sorts um Obviously, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there, but it just feels like a lot is riding here on this offseason. Yeah, you know, and everyone talks about how, you know, coming up in 2024, it'll be 15 years since the Yankees made a World Series, won a World Series, and, you know, they've made five LCSs and have lost every single one of them <laughs> since 09 if everyone remembers uh because it's so long ago in some cases uh 2010 against texas 12 against detroit that was a really bad one 17 against houston 19 against houston 2022 against houston so no one forgets those three but the first two people tend to forget that the yankees were there in those spots so that's a big deal for Yankee fans. The whole World Series drought thing has been a thing since the 70s when, or the 60s into the 70s when they didn't win the whole time CBS owned them. And then they did the back-to-back -back in 77, 78. Then they didn't win again until 96. And now we're back into this whole, and it's getting to the point where the fans are like, okay, we're, we've had enough of this drought. We need to get something going here because we've been close so many times and yeah. You know, and you have the pieces too. like there are pieces there that are legitimate, like we shouldn't look over. We shouldn't gloss over this bullpen and how incredible it was in 2023 and how that didn't really seem to matter much for a lot of people. But you need a solid bullpen to get to and win the World Series. And the Yankees have one with some other guys that could also put, uh, contribute next season from the minors. Like we know there are a handful of guys that have some legit stuff that just didn't get a chance last year because there was so much in front of them. We haven't yeah. even really talked about Matt Crook, really. He hasn't had a legitimate shot uh, because there's such a log jam on the bullpen, which is great, which is awesome. That's exactly where you want to be, especially coming from the bullpen side of things. And you have an Aaron Judge, and you know what Anthony Rizzo can do, hoping he can do that again. You saw what DJ Mayhew can do. There are the makings of a really good team. It's just putting it all together, and it feels like this offseason is going to have to be an offseason where they put it all together add pieces to help that depth when somebody inevitably goes down slash multiple people inevitably go down or when somebody isn't performing up to where they should be you have other options that's the problem from last season's team they just didn't have the options and then you're left with what 
Uh, can we sign somebody? Uh, let's go waiver wire. Uh, let's, you know, you're trying to. It was to the opposite of 2019. 2019 was the same thing. They had 30 guys on the IL or 30 IL trips in 2019. And they still won 103 games because of the guys they were able to plug in guys from the minors guys that they got, you know, it was just, it almost felt like they were kind of hoping for the same thing. <laughs> like we did this in 2019. Maybe we could do it again. No, 2019 was an outlier. There's no way another team could ever do what the 2019 Yankees did with all those injuries. It was insane how many people were on the IL that year. And it was a miracle that they won 103 games. And it was a miracle that they made it to the ALCS with that many injuries. It was crazy. Of course, we can sit here all day and say mm -hmm. what they need to do and hope that they do the thing right. But there's always the other side of the coin. What happens if this offseason goes bad? What's the butterfly effect that of that? We're going to talk about that next. Back here on Locked On Yankees, Stacey, we want to continue our conversation on why this offseason is so important, but put it into a new light here. What if it doesn't go right? What if... It isn't the fairy tale ending. What if they don't sign this guy and sign this guy and get the Bellinger and get the Yamamoto or go get the Snell? Like, what if they don't do that? What if they miss out? Which is possible. It's always oh, yeah. possible that an offseason doesn't go the way you planned. <clears throat> Hello, San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco's calling. Remember yeah. when their offseason didn't go as planned? Now they're signing a new coach. So things can change drastically, seemingly at the drop of a hat. It could look like it's going in the right direction, and then it's not. So what happens there, Stace? Uh, let, let's get to the point of what is a bad offseason for the Yankees? From your mind, what is a bad offseason this offseason? I would say missing out on the people they're trying to get um, or finding out that they tried to get something or someone and – they claimed that they offered him whatever. And then the guy took another contract from someone else. But then you find out that the Yankees actually lowballed the guy or something like, that. <laughs> or yeah. you find out that they didn't even try with someone that they claimed they tried with, or that, you know, was on their radar, that kind of thing, which has happened in the past. So I wouldn't put it past them. Like I, I almost feel like we need to prepare ourselves <laughs> for yeah. a possible bad off season. <laughs> Uh, optics wise, that's always a, a downside, right? You could always have the Bryce Harper story again. Like those, those stories always feel terrible from a like l actual on field baseball perspective. I've talked about this this week already on this show. Of course, every day as I've heard me say this, but it, it bears repeating. Like you got to go out and get Yamamoto or Snell. You have to go out and get to. one of those guys. Mm -hmm. You have to. I, I, I don't necessarily think. Uh, one direction is better than the other because they both have their upsides and they both have their downsides. Right. But not doing something to help your rotation out doesn't feel like a smart move if you're trying to win the American League East, which all signs indicate that the American League East is probably going to be hard again. Like, it's not like all of a sudden all these teams fell off a cliff. It's like, no, Boston's kind of turning a corner here. You know Tampa Bay is going to be there, and Baltimore is riding as high as possible. So it's not like all of a sudden the East is yours. I didn't even mention Toronto. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like they couldn't also be right there in the mix again for another year. So you know you're going to have steep competition, and you know that this uh, starting rotation 
albeit with some upside with Michael King and Clark Schmidt and potentially Randy Vasquez, Johnny Burrito mixing in to kind of fill out. You don't want to have to rely on them. You want to go out and get some stuff that can make sure that, like we said, when somebody inevitably goes down, you have a backup plan. So I feel like on the pitching front, you got to at least get one bigger name starter. This is my biggest fear, though, because the Yankees sometimes do this. I'm afraid they're going to say something along the lines of, well, we didn't really have Rodon. We didn't really have Nestor. And getting them back is like getting a yeah. pitcher, you know, like that sort of thing. That I'm so hurts. afraid they're going to do that. And I really hope they don't. I mean, like I I'm, I would bank on Rodon not being as terrible as 2023. I think that would be insane if he continues uh down that path that would just doesn't make any sense logically especially numbers wise like we've seen his numbers and they are what they are <laughs> like right. 2023 was an outlier it just was um Nestor, i'm less keen on i have no idea what you're gonna get out of him in 2024 because 22 could have totally been a fluke you have right. no idea you have totally no idea where that's gonna go you hope that he can bounce back but you don't need him to be an ace especially right. if you go out and get some help the other side of this coin stacy is of course we talk about the left-handed bat issue, which has been something that has been pounded into the mud. <laughs> but it's true. It's legit. Yeah. Holds serious weight. And how do you do that? Yes, we've talked about Bellinger, and yeah, I'm not going to get into that. But you also got to get a little more creative because of the lack of left-handed options and just options, period, on the free agent market. The Yankees just have to get more creative when they're looking for some help left-handed-wise at the plate. What that means, I'll let them figure out. But <laughs> They need to do something left-handed wise. You can't keep repeating this over and over and over again and think that it's going to just self-correct. Yeah, because, I mean, they tried when they got Rizzo and Gallo at the trade deadline a couple seasons ago, and you're thinking, all right, they finally realized, hey, we need some left-handed pop here. And, you know, they got it from Rizzo. Gallo was a complete disaster when he came over to New York, but no one could have really seen that happening. I mean, he just, you could see, you knew that he was going to have a lot of strikeouts because that's just how his game was. But he was just so bad here. And I felt bad for him. But you, they at least tried there, but then they didn't learn from their mistake and still made it where the lineup is right-hand dominated. And when you look at the last team that made the World Series, you had a few lefties in there. You had a few switch hitters in there who could also bat lefty if they needed to. and you look at that lineup and you're just like, Oh my God, I wish that could happen again. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like you wish you could send that to Brian Cashman over and over again in an email, just a, a JPEG or a, you know, just a, or maybe even a GIF of it where it's shiny and just be like, look, remember this, try and get yeah. something like this. If you can, like you need to mix left. That stadium is built for left-handed handed hitters. And that was the thing when it first opened nearly 15 years ago, the short porch, what like happened? yes, Judge can hit it there, you know, occasionally. Um, you know, Volpe, Volpe hits it there. The yeah. Right. But I would much rather see someone similar to Anthony Rizzo, someone else like a Rizzo who could hit it routinely. Especially, especially if you're preaching hard hit poolside. Yes. Right? Um, we wanted to go down the butterfly effect here a little bit, Stacy. Of course, let's say it doesn't go right. Like everything we laid out doesn't happen. The Yankees sit on their laurels, they sign Kier Meyer and call it a day. And that's all they end up doing. Let's say that's what happens. They make some minors moves, whatever. What could happen after that? Well, of course, we know Aaron Boone's getting into his final year of a contract here in 2024. 
can't see him coming back if the Yankees fail in the offseason, which ultimately sets him up for failure. for failure. Like there's not much he can do in that regard, but the Yankees would probably pin it on him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because the manager is always the scapegoat when the team doesn't do well two seasons in a row. And in some cases, one season. Yeah. Um, I mean, the job security of Brian Cashman obviously seems like it's ironclad. But if it's a bad offseason where it's just in your face, I mean, there's only so much bad someone can do before they end up losing a job. Like, that's just reality. I know it may feel like that's not the case, but if he does a poor job, and then That's the team ends up doing really badly again, or at least bad for the Yankees, you know, not bad for other teams, but bad for the Yankees where they're just over 500, miss the playoffs again. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be some sort of something if that happens, hopefully it won't, but yeah. who knows? Yeah. I mean, you could totally see the Yankees if they go into the 24 off season, like they went into the 23 off season, just not and not doing anything uh, to address the issues. This team could be drastically worse, drastically worse in mm. 2024. So you just hope that that's not the case because you can see that slippery slope big time. And we've oh, yeah. been kind of foreshadowing that unfortunately here for a couple of months on the show. <laughs> yeah. When a team does bad, it's like, you're just negative about it because you don't you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, especially for someone like me who's watched this team for so many years and has seen the moves that they've made recently and how things are just not working out the way they're supposed to or the way you think they should for the Yankees. And who it's not hard being pessimistic. It's actually quite easy. <laughs> uh, let us know how you're feeling about the butterfly effect, the off season. And of course, Aaron judge in the comment section here on YouTube. If you're on our audio side, hello, you can always, of course, join the lockdown Yankees insiders club. That's not exclusive to audio, but I'm just saying, if you want to make your voice heard, you can always just text us. That's simple enough. It's a 14 day free trial. Go check it out in the episode description coming up on Friday. It's fan mail Friday. You also get fan mail Friday priority with that subscription. So check all that stuff out. And of course, that's going to do it for today's lockdown Yankees. I'm Steve Granato. And I'm Stacey Gonsoulias. We'll see you tomorrow.